Uh, so thankful that you chose to be in God's house on Resurrection Sunday. You know the greatest love story of all time. We, I've done this series called Love Stories, and we had this cross put up with a, with a heart. And I said, you know, we took it down for the resurrection. I said, no, put it back up because this is the greatest love story of all is Jesus Christ coming to earth and, and, and living a life here on earth. For three years, he ministered and did signs and wonders and miracles and fed the, fed the thousands. And, and, and then he went to the cross and died this incredibly cruel death. But on the third day, on the third day, say third day. Third day. On the third day, he came out of the tomb just for you, just for me. For mankind, he came out of the tomb. That's why the, 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 the message today is called the power of resurrection. Say the power of resurrection. You see, if you're here this morning and you're hmm, not so sure about the resurrection story, I, I'm not so sure that it could have really happened. If you don't know, if you don't trust and believe that the resurrection really took place and you say you're a Christian, I would have to argue with you. Everything, that it, has, it hinges on the resurrection. I know the cross is incredible, and we get, our, we, get our, we get all of our sins forgiven, but if the resurrection hadn't happened, guys, we would have no reason to be here today. He would have just died for our sins and gone to a tomb, and, would, and then, then Christianity, as we know today, would never have happened. So if you don't understand and believe in the power of the resurrection, I, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, you have revelation today of the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Some of you, it's been blinded. You've been like, I'm not so sure. And you men, you, you, if you really did believe in the power of the resurrection, your life would be different. So this morning, I'm speaking that the power of the resurrected life of Jesus Christ will impact your life, that you live a resurrected life. We're not called to live a dead life. We're called to live a life that's abundant, but it's life in Christ. Amen? Amen? I was thinking the other day, what are some of the greatest things, that, what are some of the best news you could get? What are some of the best, and I'm talking about it in the natural, what are some of the best news? And so I wrote down, jotted down a few. And, and here, what if somebody came, hey, you've won the lottery. Woo! That's about as excited as you would get. I say you won $100 million. Come on, what would you do? Oh, man, you'd be jumping up and down. You'd be calling your neighbors. You might not be calling your neighbors. Can I have a loan? <laughs> no, not a loan. Just give me the money. <laughs> How about this one? Hey, guess what? Honey, somebody paid off all of our debts. You mean the house? Yeah, the car? Yeah, the kids? Yeah. <laughs> College? Yes. All the debts. How about this one? You, you're, you're standing there before the judge. You know you done been bad. And the judge says, not guilty. You're free to go. That'd be good news, wouldn't it? Especially if you were guilty. How about, oh, this one. And this is about that time of the year. Hey, honey, I thought we were going to have to pay some money. But guess what? We're getting $20,000 tax refund. Yes. <laughs> and we didn't cheat. How about this one? The doctor, the, the, they, the doctor comes out, the nurse comes out, and you're in the waiting room. And he says, well, I know that's old school. Hey, you have a healthy baby. Wow, that's good news, right? Pass out the, pass out the bubblegum cigars, right? How about this news? The cancer is gone. You're healed. Wouldn't that be good news? You pass the test with flying colors. Some of you are in school and you're like, oh, yes. 
Thought I wasn't even going to make a 70 and I passed it. Some of you have been working at the same job a long time. The boss comes up and says, man, you got, I'm giving you a raise. You're so good. And I'm not giving you a big raise. I'm giving you insurance. I'm giving you a 401k. Wouldn't that be cool? Some of you have been looking for a job and, and you, you, you get that phone call. Son, daughter, you got the job you've been looking for. That job, your dream job, you got it. Wouldn't that be good news? Or the last one I thought I was for, for all the college students in here. Hey, congratulations, you've graduated. <laughs> Debt free. Yeah, there you go. But it's the same way in the spirit. We, we like to hear good news. And I'm telling you the good news today. The good news is Jesus Christ. That's the gospel news. And, and, and I always wonder why they call it the good news when it's the most incredibly great news we could ever hear. We could ever know it's the greatest news that we could ever receive. That free gift of salvation for those of us who choose to follow Jesus Christ. So I'm looking at, I'm, gonna, I'm not preaching from the Gospels today, but I'm going to be re- referencing them, of course. But if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Many of you that study the Bible, you'll know exactly where I'm going, what I'm going to be talking about when we talk from 1 Corinthians 15. This is Paul, his account, and he's really, you know, he's got a church. He's established this church in this city called Corinth. Corinth is a big city. And he had a multicultural church. I mean, all backgrounds, mostly Gentiles, but a lot of Jews. But people from all different backgrounds, they'd served all a variety of gods. And so he's coming, he's writing this letter because he said, man, these guys, these guys haven't got it together yet. So you read from 1 Corinthians, and he's, he's talking to them, get your act together, guys. You've got to get your act together. And before he closes this letter, it's 16 chapters, but in the 15th chapter, it's like he's going to go back and re-verify what he's taught them all this time. And some of you need to hear that this morning. He says this, and, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. He says, Dear friends, let me give you clearly the heart of the gospel that I have preached to you, the good news that you have heartily received and on which you stand. He said, you've got to stand on this gospel. For it is through the revelation of the gospel. Say the revelation of the gospel. gospel. So you can hear the gospel and not get the revelation of it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. The revelation of the gospel. That you are being saved. It's it's a process. It's salvation. We have an initial encounter with God where we're saved. But then the rest of it is a process until we stand in front of Jesus one day. If, if, say if. If you fasten your life firmly to the message I've taught you, unless you have believed in vain. Did you know there are churches that are filled up this morning all across the world, and they're filled up with people that think they're believers, but they're not. They think they're Christians, but they're not. They have believed in vain. And when they leave, the, do- the reason we know that is because there's no change in their life. They're still living the old life, and then there's no impact of, of Christ coming in and saving them. And he's saying, listen, man, you can believe it up here, but you've got to get it from here to here. And from there to there, it comes in, it becomes the manifest in your walk. It manifests in the, in the way you talk. It manifests in the way you look. It manifests in the way, the places that you go, the people that you see, the people that you encourage. It, it manifests out. It just doesn't stay uh, in here. But so many people just go here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And don't ask somebody if they're a Christian. If you want to find out where, they walk, where their walk is, don't want to say, hey, are you a Christian? Because most people that have ever stepped inside of a church go, yeah, I'm a Christian. Well, I'm an American. I must be a Christian. You know, I was baptized one time. I must be a Christian. See, if you have to say, I must be a Christian, you're kind of missing it. Here's the question. You say, who is Jesus to you? 
If you want to find out who's Jesus to you there, and if they start stumbling, stammering, blah, 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 well, you know, uh, well, you know, he was, he was, man, he went to the cross. He's a good guy and all that. No, he's Savior. He's Lord. He's King. He's Creator. He's God. And he changed my life. I can't be the same. I can't live the same. Paul's trying to remind them of who Jesus Christ is. Who is he? Who is he to them? So they had to have that revelation of the gospel. I pray this morning you have the revelation of the heart of the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and daughter that whosoever believes in him should not perish, should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Everlasting life. That's the heart of the gospel. That's the core of the gospel. And God wants you to get it this morning. If you come in here this morning and you haven't gotten it, I pray that before you leave, people have been praying, people have been fasting, people have been they're praying that revelation comes for those of you that need the revelation of the gospel this morning. You need the revelation of the power of the gospel, the power of the resurrection today. See, throughout his ministry, Jesus was trying to teach the Jews. See, the Jews, listen, most of the, the majority of the Jewish people still, have not, still don't believe that their Messiah has come. They miss Jesus. And he would, he would give them, he would, he would give them uh, words. He would, he would quote scripture to them. And he was trying to let, get them to understand that he was the Messiah. And he said this. Now, in, in Matthew 12, 38, he said, Then a, a few Jewish scholars and Pharisees spoke up and said, Teacher, why don't you perform a miraculous sign for us. And Jesus replied, listen to this, you need to hear this. Only evil people who are unfaithful to God would demand a sign. I know so many people, well, if God, if you're really there, you'll do such and such. Listen, that's evil. If you demand something of God so you can believe in him. And here's what he said. Listen in verse 40, because he's speaking to the Jewish people. He said, there will be no sign given. Say no sign given. Oh, y'all are with me today. There will be no sign given to you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Say Jonah. Jonah. How many of you know the story of Jonah? Okay, if you don't, go back and read it. It's, it's one of the books of the Bible. Go, it's in the Old Testament. Go read it. Uh, if you've got to watch the VeggieTale version, do that. But <laughs> so what has Jonah got to do with Jesus? Okay, look at verse 40. For as Jonah was in the belly of the huge sea creature, a lot of people say whale, but the Bible never said whale. I just think God made of a special sea creature just for Jonah. Had life support in it and everything, you know, food, cabinets. <laughs> for just as Jonah was in the belly of the large sea creature for three days and th three nights, say three days and three nights. So the Son of Man, who's he talking about? Himself. He will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. And the people of Nineveh will also rise up on the day of judgment to condemn this generation. He's talking to the people he was talking to right there. He said, listen, Nineveh, there are pagans and Jonah pre preached and he didn't even want to preach. That's how, why God had to put him in the, creature, in the sea creature and send him back, right? Send him in the boat, send him back. And so he preached, like, okay, I'm going to preach. And the people believed, and they repented. He says, so the people of Nineveh will also rise up on the day of judgment to condemn this generation, for they all repented when they heard the preaching of Jonah. And there is one greater than Jonah here preaching to you today. 
So he's telling the Jews, he said, I am greater than Jonah. Why do you, you believe the story? You believe the events uh, of the Old Testament when he spoke of Jonah? He said, I'm telling you, I'm a modern day version. I'm going way past Jonah. I am the son of God. I'm the king of kings and lord of lords. And I'm going to be swallowed up, so to speak. I'm going to a cross. I'm going to be put in a tomb. But then on the third day, I'm coming back. Amen. See, it was so it was so important that the Jews see they, they, their minds were so close to this. And Jesus was saying, I love you. I love you. I love you. You're, my, you're God's chosen people. Believe that I am Messiah. Believe that I am Messiah. He would give them others, he would give them other signs. He talked. Remember when Dr. Sempebo had just preached, it was really awesome about the, the mountain of transfiguration. Jesus took Peter, James, and John. He took them up on the mountain. He walked up this mountain with him. And who was at the top of the mountain? It was Moses and Elijah and Jesus. And I thought, why? What was the significance? Why did he why did he reveal Moses and Elijah, not just Jesus, to Peter, James, and John? With that, that inner circle. Because he wanted them to see. This is what I believe. He wanted them to believe and see that these guys are not dead. They're not dead. Can you imagine Peter, James, John? Well, who, who, who is that? Jesus. Well, that, that's Moses. And that's Elijah. Really? You mean they're alive? Yeah, they're alive. This isn't the end. See, we've got to understand that this morning. This is not the end. This is not the, say, this is not the end. This is not the end. Woo! Look at verse Matthew 17, 9. As they hiked down the mountain together, Jesus ordered them, don't tell anyone of this divine appearance you just witnessed. Wait until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. So he's telling them, you see them? They're alive. Guess what? I'm going to die, but I'm going to come back too. And they, they didn't understand this. Would you have understood it? Of course not. We think we would have. We're like, why, why did those guys, Jesus said he's going to be, he's going to suffer and then he was going to rise again. Why didn't, why didn't they get it? Well, I'm sure I would have understood that, all that about coming back from the dead. Not. Not. Okay. So all the time, Jesus is trying to reveal himself, reveal to them that there is going to be Life beyond the grave. I want to ask you this morning, do you have a revelation of the gospel? The good news of Jesus Christ this morning. Has he impacted your life in such a way that you want to be more like him? Now, the, listen to me. Was getting to church today an inconvenience or was it importance? See, some people, they show up. And it's not, it's not on their priority list. It's because so-and-so nagged them enough. So-and-so dragged them out of bed. Uh, somebody called them and, and texted them until they're like, okay, I'm coming. Please leave me alone. I'll show up. But there are many of you here this morning like, I can't wait to get to church. Ooh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait to worship my risen Savior, my risen Lord. He means everything to me. I believe in the power of the resurrection, and I'm here to worship him today, and I want my life to count for something, and I want it to count for Jesus Christ. See, all through Scripture, God was revealing himself. Jesus was revealing what was going to take place. Now look at verse 3. For I have shared with you what I have received and what is of utmost importance. Say, utmost importance. See, this verse is life and death. Say, life and death. If you don't get this and you die, you die in your sins and you go to hell. 
Uh, he said, hell. I don't think people are supposed to say hell anymore. Is it a real place? I think it is. I don't want to find out. Do you? Okay. He said, I've shared with you what I received and what is of utmost importance. The Messiah died for our sins, fulfilling the prophecies of the scriptures. He was buried in a tomb and was raised from the dead after three days as foretold in the scriptures. Amen. That's the gospel in a nutshell. Somebody wants you to well, tell me about the gospel. I, I don't really understand it. Go to 1 Corinthians 15 read that verse. Say, so this is the two verses. It says, this is it. This is how it works. You don't have to be a theologian to read that. Paul was reminding of them, them of their core beliefs and how important it was to believe in the resurrection. You know, when Jesus came back from the dead, okay, remember he walked with, uh, with the guys on the road to Emmaus, and then he, he shows up in their midst, and he's in the room with them. That had to be a little freaky. Right? Hey, guys, have you... Oh, it's here. <laughs> he didn't even... He just walked through walls. He had a glorified body, but he also could eat. Right? You can't figure that stuff out. You can't even... You, you can't. But he shows up, and he shows up the disciples, and he says this in Luke 24, 44. Then he said to them, Don't you remember the words that I spoke to you when I was still with you? I told you that I would fulfill everything written about me, including all the prophecies from the law of Moses to the Psalms and the writing of the prophets. He said, Listen, you've already heard. You've already seen it. You guys know this. You've been to school. You've, you've heard the words preached by the rabbis. You've been to synagogue. You know these things that are going to happen, and why did you miss it? Even after I told you over and over and over that I was going to die and be suffering, I want to be raised from the dead, and you still didn't get it. But he had to show himself to them so that they could believe. So look at verse 45. He supernaturally unlocked their understanding and received the revelation of the Scriptures. And he said to them, everything that has happened fulfills what, what the Scriptures prophesied of me. The Messiah was destined to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Do you believe that? Yes. One of the scriptures that Jesus quoted was from Psalm 16:9. He says, My heart and my soul explode with joy, full of glory. Even my body will rest confident and secure, for you will not abandon me to the realm of death, nor will you allow your faithful one, those are capital letters, faithful one, that's Jesus, to experience corruption. He also spoke of the resurrection in the book of Isaiah. He spoke of the resurrection in the book of Hosea. Not just, not just Jonah. And then, and then one of the be most beautiful pictures we have of the resurrection in the Old Testament is, is Abraham and Isaac. Remember, Abraham took, God said, take your son, take him up to the hill of Moriah, and, and, and basically crucify your son, kill your son, put him on an altar and kill him. Moriah is the same hill that Jesus was crucified on. He said, take him up on that hill and lay him down put, and, and put, put some wood. I mean, I had to, and Isaac, the word of God says, Isaac never said, no, dad, we can't do this. All he said was, dad, where's the sacrifice? He said, what? God will provide. How many, how many dads could do that with your kid today? Lay your kid on an altar and say, well, I'm about to kill you. and Get the sword ready. And then the angel said, stop, Abraham. See, God already knew what Abraham would do. Abraham needed to know what Abraham would do. Okay, Abraham needed to know, and he was faithful. And we read in the book of Hebrews, guess what? It was a three-day journey to the hill. Oh, I say three days. three days. 
Okay, and his only son, the first time the word love is ever mentioned in the Bible was Abraham loved his son Isaac. Okay, for God so loved the world. And so he puts his son there, and then the angel stops him, and he found, finds a ram in the thicket and sacrifices the ram. Because he told the guys when they got there, they said, what, where are you going, Abraham? He said, we're going to go make a sacrifice, and we're going to come back after we've worshipped the Lord. But in Hebrews, it says, Abraham already knew that if he slayed his son, if he killed his son, that God would bring him back to life. That's the kind of faith that he had. So that's a picture of the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus was reminding them over and over. And then verse 5 of 1 Corinthians 15, it says, Then he appeared, Jesus appeared to Peter, the rock, and to the twelve apostles. He also appeared to more than 500 of his followers at the same time. And I think that's about what we have here right now, 500. Y'all see me? Y'all believe that I'm here? Okay, i just check it. I think that's interesting. It says he also appeared to more than 500 of his followers at the same time. And please, I'm not, I'm not Jesus, okay? I'm not David Koresh or Jim Jones or any of them. I'm just Harold. He also appeared to more, okay, most of whom is still alive as I write this, though a few have passed away. A lot of people are at, at this time had already passed away, but then he appeared to Jacob, that's another name for James, and to all the apostles. The thing about it is, if the New Testament church was going to be activated, they had to believe that they believed that they believed that they believed that he was alive. For the church today to operate in power, we have to believe that we believe that we believe that, believe, that we believe that he is alive. Amen? All of the religions, all of the leaders of all the other religions, guess what? They're all dead. They're, they've got tombs you can go and, and see. I've, I've been to the tomb where they think Jesus was laid. It's empty. It's empty. And so many people saw it. And Jesus knew that they had to see to believe. Then in verse 8, Paul says this, last of all, he appeared in front of me like one born prematurely ripped from the womb. Yes, I am the most insignificant of all the apostles, unworthy even to be called an apostle because I hunted down believers and I persecuted God's church. Paul said, man, see, Paul had an encounter. After all that had happened, Paul super, Jesus supernaturally appeared to Paul as he had warrants to go and arrest Christians, have them jailed and eventually killed. That's what he was doing on his way to Damascus. God said, stop. And he said, what do you want, Lord? He said, listen, you, I know what you've been doing, but there's going to be another, there's going to be a change in your life. See, when he, fed, when he met Jesus, when he saw the resurrected king, his life was never the same after that. And he was doing everything he could for, to make up for all those people that he had, had killed. That was a thorn in the flesh. flesh. Many people believe that he carried that burden with him everywhere because he would go. Now he was preaching and see, seeing Christians come into the kingdom. But I guess when he, when he thought about that as they came to, came to Christ, he also know, knew that they came to a place of where they could also lose their life for their belief. Did you know that day may be coming in America? It's not here yet, but it could come. It's coming it's come to a lot of many, many other countries across the world. People that say, I believe, I believe he's a risen Savior. Are you willing to do that? See, they were willing to do it because they, Paul said, I'm willing to die because I've seen him and he's alive. And because he's alive, I know even if I die, I'm going to live. 
for me to live, for me, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul saw Jesus. Paul knew Jesus was alive. Do you believe that he's alive today? We are hard-pressed on every side, Paul said, yet not crucified. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus, say the life of Jesus, also may be manifested in our body. See, we die to self, but we rise and we live for Him. Christ lives in us and through us. The life of Christ. He's a living Savior. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. If you're going around and you're, oh, I'm just dead, I'm dead to the world, I'm, I just gave my life to Jesus. Oh, yeah, I want to be a part of that. <laughs> yeah, where do I sign up? No, you have the life of Christ in you. You have the life of Christ. I can't even explain that, how that works, but you have the life of Christ in you. I have the life of Christ in me. I'm not dead, I'm alive. So then death is working in us, but life in you. He's talking to his congregation. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. Now listen to verse 14. Knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus... That's the Holy Spirit raised Jesus. Did you know that? Will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. How many of you have loved ones that you already know they're in the presence of Jesus? They've died. They, you know they love Jesus and they're, they're in his presence right now. Why do you believe that? Are, are you just crazy? Or do you believe that Jesus really died and rose? He said if, we, if he didn't, then we're... And Paul said, listen, if, if, if the resurrection wasn't real... He said, we're the most to be pitied. We've given up everything for what? This life? For people to call us crazy? For us to not look like the rest of the world? That we, we're not, we don't act the way everybody else does? We don't look the way? We don't speak the way everybody else does? We don't, we don't engage in, in the world the way everybody else does? And people look at you and say, well, why aren't you coming to the party? And, you know, I, 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 that's just not who I am anymore. And why don't you, do, why don't you hit this? Why don't you do this? Hey, she's cute. Why don't you go sleep with her? And that's what it's just sex. It's, it's nothing just but just physical. And you go, no, you know, no, no, no. And I know, what the, I know what God expects of me, and that's not it. He called me to be pure. He called me to be holy. See, people don't want to talk about that anymore. Preachers don't want to preach that anymore because it's unpopular, and we might lose people that give money to the church. I know, a, I know a, a story about a preacher. This is a true story. And, and he had one of these guys in his church. It was one of those multimillionaires. And he was one of those big funders, you know. See, here's the thing. I don't want to know what you give so you can't control me. Okay? So I don't know what you give. But he had a guy in his church that was said, he wrote the big checks. Well, all of a sudden, this guy gets divorced. Hmm. He sits on about the third row, and he comes in the one Sunday, and he's got his girlfriend with him. He's living with his girlfriend. He's already, the pastor already finds out he's living with a girlfriend. 
So the pastor decides, I think I won't talk about sexual immorality anymore. I don't think I'll preach on uh, divorce. I don't think I want to preach on adultery anymore. Because if I do, I might offend him and he might not write the check. Oh, you think that goes on? It goes on. I'm not here to be your popular best buddy. I'm not. I'm just not. We teach the truth, but we do it in love. I have to adhere to the things that you're supposed to adhere to. It's not like, oh, pastor gets a, he gets a, you know, he gets a, he, he, a pass. Yeah, he gets a pass. He's a pastor. That's what pass is in pastor. So he gets a pass. No. You think when I preach these messages, it's, I hope they get it. No, I hope I get it. I hope, I'll, I'll, I pray that we all get this. We need fresh revelation. How are we doing on time? Oh, good. You know what? It's only a three or four people that ever say that stuff. The majority go, oh boy. Oh boy, don't say it, don't say it. Calls for a sip. I think the World Football League's playing or something. I don't know. Okay, let's get back. Back to the place. I digress. You understand the power of the resurrection and what it did for the disciples. Have you ever heard the stories? And these is, this is church tradition. Some of it is in, in the Bible. Most of it's church tradition. And we do it when we do that, uh, when we would do the Last Supper, reenact it. And hopefully we can do that next year. But uh, 11, all the 11, and they added one. All but John died a horrible death. All but, Don, all but John, and he was boiled in, in oil at one, time, at one point. He's, he's put on an island. Here, there's your island. You stay there for the rest of your life. But they were beheaded. Crucified upside down. Thrown to the lions. If they had not known that Jesus rose the dead. I promise you they wouldn't have done that. Stephen, he stands there. He says, I don't care what you think of me. I'm going to tell you like it is. And he tells the council like it is. And they drag him outside the city and they stone him. The first martyr for the kingdom of God because he knew he knew the resurrection power of Jesus. And he's the first. He was the first as the stones were being hurled at him. He sees Jesus stand up. Stand up. That's my son. Come on, Stephen. Come on home. That's, that's the power of the resurrection. I preach a lot of funerals. And listen, if I don't, I have to preach the power of the resurrection. Because if I don't, I don't want to do a funeral. And you know, as far as I know, most funerals that I've ever done, they've all been Christians. Some of them, I'm not so sure. But man, if there's an inkling of something that they, yeah, I think they got... I'm going to preach, I'm going to preach the, the resurrected Jesus because without the resurrection, guys, we have no life after this death, after this death here on earth. I don't know about you, but I, I hit 70, and it seems like it's been that long since I was 50, and that long since I was 30. It goes fast. I know some of you are young. You're like, oh, man, that's, it goes fast. Okay. You just think, how many, how many more years have I got to do this? 
How many more years can I do what God's called me to do? I know people a lot younger than me that have already gone to be with Jesus. I'm going to burn out for him. Look what Paul says in verse 10. I love this. I only got two more verses. But God's amazing grace, say amazing grace. Has made me who I am. And his grace to me was not fruitless. In fact, I worked harder than all the rest yet, not in my own strength, but God's for his empowering grace is poured out upon me. We all need his empowering grace today. We need the power of the resurrection today. We need to know that no matter how we've lived our life, we're not too bad to come to Jesus. I've actually heard people say when I've witnessed to them about the Lord, well, you know what? I'm just too bad. Jesus would never let me in. You know what? My comeback to that is, have you ever had any Christians killed? Well, no. Oh, well, you know, one of the greatest writers of the Gospels was Paul, and he had Christians killed. So was he too bad for God? No, no. Okay, then you're not too bad for God. Because he loves you just like you are, but he didn't want you to stay the way you are. His grace was poured out upon me. And the last verse, verse 11 says, So this is what we have all taught you. He's talking about the other ministers that had come through. Whether it was through me or someone else, you have now believed the gospel. You now believe the gospel. You have now believed the gospel. You've heard the gospel. Did you know once you've heard the gospel, you don't have an excuse? What is it? I don't know. You ever been offered? Yeah, I've heard it. What have you done with it? What have you done with the gospel? What have you done with the power of the resurrection? When Jesus came back and all the disciples, you know, they were in the room all but Thomas. Thomas gets a bad rap. Do you ever feel for Thomas? I don't even like the name Doubting Thomas. Because just to be truthful, the other ones already saw him. Okay, he was in the room with them. And and Jesus made himself, presented himself to the others, the other ten, I guess. And so Thomas wasn't there. So eight days later, eight days later, Jesus comes back. And Thomas sees him. And the rest of the guy, don't you believe us? No, I'm going to believe in you. I I see him and I touch him and I I see the scars. And there's no way I'm believing you guys. You're trying to trick me. (laughs) But see, they already had seen him. So when Thomas sees him, he does. He does all that. And then Jesus says in verse 29, John 20, Thomas, now that you've seen me, you believe. But there are those who have never seen me with their eyes, but have believed in me with their hearts. And they will be blessed even more. That's us. That's that's me. Say, that's me. You know, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. Holy Spirit. Raised Jesus from the dead. He lives in us. So we can go back to those. Great news. Oh, you won the lottery. Hey, you got Jesus. You won way better than the lottery. Oh, my debts have been paid? All my debts? Hey, when you know Jesus, all your debts have been paid. 
Amen? Amen. When you get to, when you know Jesus, your promotion is way better than any promotion man can give you. When you graduate, guess what? You graduate to heaven. Yeah. You know, oh, I want to graduate from college. No, I want to graduate to heaven someday. Yeah, that's, where I'm, that's where I'm headed. I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm not, I want, that's where I want to go. That's where I want to end up. If I stand before, if I stand before the Lord on Judgment Day, guess what I want to hear? Not guilty. You're free to enter into your home. Isn't that good? You stand before God. I don't care how you left this earth. I don't care if you left with a brain tumor or you couldn't walk or anything else. And I know we believe in healing. We teach healing. But sometimes you just, that's when you, when you leave this earth, that's how some of us are going to leave. But I'm going to tell you, when you get there, Jesus might just say, well, the cancer is gone. <laughs> you're healed. You can walk now. You're, 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 you can see now. It's going to be so much better, guys, when we get to heaven. But if you don't believe in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, you won't get there. I'm just telling you this morning. I'm, this is a warning. Beep, beep, beep. This is a Jesus alert. I wish I could have made all your phones go off at the same time. <coughs> we need to work on that. Joe? All right, Joe's on it. Y'all come on up. We're going to have an invitation. <coughs> yeah, I love that when I preach uh, funerals, one of, the fun, one of the, the best messages I ever give, and I give it a lot, is, is the story of Lazarus. How many of y'all know the story of Lazarus? Okay, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, they were, they were siblings. They loved Jesus. They took care of Jesus when he'd come to town. Mary and Martha and, and Lazarus, and Lazarus got sick. Jesus was out of town. And Lazarus got really sick. And I mean, man, he got so sick he died. And so Jesus waited four days to come back because they already put him in the tomb and, you know, he's stinky. <laughs> so they said, they said so Jesus comes back in his own timing. Say his own timing. And he comes back and Martha runs to him and said, Jesus, Jesus, if you'd have been here, I know, I know my, my son, my, my brother would not have died. And he said, whatever you ask of God, he can do anything. And he said, Jesus, he said, Mary, Martha, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? And she says, well, yes, I know that at the end, when we all die, we're, we're going to come back. And I think she only knew that because she sat at his feet and he taught her. He said, listen, if you believe in me, you shall never die. You shall never die. Say, well, I shall never die. Oh, but, um, but you take your last breath, but you don't die. Next breath there. Last breath here, next breath there. Because we never die. So if, if we never die, how can, how can we just quit and nothing going on with us and we're just laid in a coffin? We can't. See, and I think that the story of Lazarus, I, I think it's a picture of us today. I think it's a picture of us today. And, and the Lord just showed me this because Jesus went and he, Knew that he had died. See, we have to die to self, the Bible says. We're dead in our sins, so then we have to die to self. We say it every time we baptize somebody, buried with Christ, raised or walk in newness of life. So he had, to, he had to die, but then Jesus said, let me bring you back to life. He, and I believe that was like a, a picture of the salvation experience. Not the resurrection, the salvation experience because he brought him back out. Took off the grave clothes. See, that's what God does when he saves us. He starts unraveling the grave clothes off of us. And he uses the church to help us do that. Right? Yes. So he brings him out. Lazarus comes out of the tomb. They unwrap him. 
But guess what? Lazarus is going to die again. Guess what? We're going to have a last breath experience here on earth. Lazarus then made the ultimate graduation when he went to heaven after that. So that's a picture of us, church. We die to self. We live into Christ. And then we die again. And then we live to Christ again. We're born again. And then we're born again again. Amen? Amen. We're born again. Then we're born again again. We're born into heaven. So let's stand.